Welcome to Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real, where we feature entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who share their great ideas in our guest blog found on shareyourstories.online. Our guest is David Combs. He's an executive, a best-selling author, songwriter, and musician. And we're going to discuss how you successfully navigate multiple streams of income while following your passion. And David joins us from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Welcome. Thank you, Trish. It's a pleasure to be here this this uh, morning, I guess. Still morning here. It is, yes. Yeah. You know what's really fantastic that I really appreciated about your story? And believe it or not, I did get a question from our viewing and listening audience. And that was, if you have been a musician, musician and songwriter for a number of years, how did you make the leap to opening your own record label? Because I think those musicians and songwriters out there always think that they have to collaborate and partner up with other folks, perhaps like yourself, who can help them get their work published. So what was the, the sort of connection for you opening your own record label? Well, it initially was I tried to do that. I tried to connect with the, the, the record labels, the RCAs and all the, the big producing music producing companies. but. They never heard of Dave Combs. They were busy promoting the big names, and I can understand that. That's a, it's a business. It is. And so, and, and especially in today's world, you know, there are tons of musicians out there creating great music, but the the record companies, the music companies, have to be selective in who they promote. So, right. I, as you can imagine, I ran into several brick walls of not getting anywhere with. Uh, promoting myself to them. So I didn't give up though. That's the really the lesson here is that I didn't give up. I understood business. And so I said, well, if they won't help me do it, then I will try to find a way to do it for myself. And there, there again, you, you find people that will help you and uh, give you advice on how to do something for yourself, which is what I did. And I basically created uh, a business model for selling my own music throughout the entire United States back in the 80s. Now, this is before internet, before any of this electronic stuff that we right. have today. So it was CDs and cassette tapes. But I, I, I knew that I had demand for my product because my music was part of being played on the radio. People were clamoring for their copy of Rachel's song, for example. They wanted their own CD or cassette. And so my job was to figure out how do I get it out to them? So I had to basically create my own marketing channel and way to sell my music back then. And it was through gift shops. And that was a long process, which you can read about in my book, the long stories about how I did that. But it was basically finding a way to uh, market my own music and not giving up. When I would find something that didn't work, I didn't give up. I just said, well, there's one or more play way it won't work. Let's right. try something else. Right. So you keep imagining, you keep uh, you keep that vision out in front of you of where you want to go. You want your product or your service or your music or whatever to be heard and bought by millions of people, hopefully. So you keep that out there, but you just keep finding different ways to to channel your energies and get it there. Right. Now, you know, the other thing that I really appreciate and why we're speaking about multiple streams of income is while your music is doing its thing. Um, you know, you're an executive of an organization as an entrepreneur. And then the next thing you do is you start to write a book. 
So how does one navigate the time that it takes to concentrate on all those various different avenues of revenue? Well, uh, in, in the case of writing a book, I think if my advice to anybody writing a book is you better set aside a large chunk of your time. Right. It is not a very small part-time, just write right. a paragraph or two here and there. You right. have to dedicate yourself to a lot of time, not just writing, but thinking and honing what you have already written into stories that make sense and that read well and sound well. And, and don't try to do it all yourself. There are tons of people who will help you do whatever it is that you need to do. You don't necessarily have to know everything and be great at everything. You know the things that you are good at. Do those. And for those that you're not, go find you some a friend or a, a, right. a colleague that is that's their thing. And you partner up with them and say, will you help me with this? And of course they will. You know, you 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 build your team around you that makes the th the whole thing really work really well. And like in writing a book, you know, maybe you're not great at designing a cover for a book. Well, gosh, there's thousands of people that do that for a living. Right. Maybe uh, you need some help with your storytelling skills. Well, there are people who do nothing but coaching on storytelling. Right. Uh, so find a way to build yourself a team that will get you where you want to go. And so you, but you better dedicate a chunk of time. If you're going to write a book or if you're going to launch an entrepreneurship, a, a small business, you, it's very difficult to do it just a little bit at a time. Right. It's like an airplane. You know, you can't just take an airplane off the runway by putting it up at one quarter throttle. You'll never, you'll, you'll go off the end of the runway and never get in the air. Right. You have to go full throttle for a while to get something in the air. And then you can maybe coast a little bit, but uh, initially you're going to have to dedicate time and energy and hopefully not a whole lot of money. It, it doesn't necessarily take wealth and fortune and money to launch something, but you have to put your own uh, energy into it. Your sweat equity, as they say. Yeah. I, I call it the three D's the drive, uh, discipline and determination to sort of realize the goal, right? You sort of have to have a little bit of all of that, that you have to pour into it in order for it to work. Yes, that's right. Now, one of the things that you were able to successfully become a best-selling Amazon author. Now, that's no feat in itself because to your point, you know, there's lots of people who are writing books and lots of people who are putting out, you know, marketing vehicles to try to connect with their target audience and their market. You know, was your, your experience as an executive, was that something that you were able to translate into helping you with all these marketing initiatives? I think a lot of it, my, my background in the, in even in my corporate world was always around technology. You know, I was the chief information officer for the USDA in Washington. I worked in technology at AT&T Western Electric for 22 and a half years. So using technology and knowing how you can uh, garner all that uh, today's internet and contacts and networking through, you know, all your email marketing and Facebook, all the ads that you could, advertising and promotion, and uh, you, you get all that together. But the main thing is your networking on a, on a new book, is your networking through your, your circle of friends and friends of friends. You, you need to basically begin spreading the word about your, your book. Well, I have lots of friends over the years. You know, I'm no young pup anymore, but uh, 
so I have lots of friends. And so I contacted all of those via email and any way I could get a hold of them to let them know that I was writing a book. And lo and behold, many, many of those supported my effort. And on my book launch party, I think I had one of the largest book launch parties that been around for a while. I had over 400 people online for a book launch party, which was kind of unheard of all all around the world. And I had some wonderful support from a lot of uh, wonderful endorsements. People like Jack Canfield, Gary Chapman, uh, Nito Cobain, the president of High Point University. Uh, You know, there's lots of when you when you think about your circle of friends and contacts, that's where you can pull in. and, And when you basically ask your friends for some help, 99 times out of 100, they're going to say, sure, Dave, I'll help you out. And that's the kind of support I got. And and that's what kind of launched it into bestseller status initially at Amazon. That's really great advice because, you know, I think we tend to forget some of us are quite shy to to ask for, you know, do the ask and because we think, oh, geez, you know, I don't want to impose. And so I think that's a really wonderful um, suggestion is to sort of reach out. And as you say, if they can't help, they'll just say, you know, I can't do it now, but maybe I can help you down the road. So, you know, all it takes is the ask, which I think is really great advice. Absolutely. Now, okay, so you've done all this amazing things, you know, you you've had a full time career, you've got a passion for music and songwriting. You've launched a very successful book. When do you find the time to sit at the piano and create your wonderful music that you share with everyone on your, your own platforms? Well, I still love sitting down at my Steinway Grand Piano, uh, which is upstairs. And uh, I love to just sit and play some songs. I'll, I'll sometimes just turn on the radio and, and, and listen to some of my, or, stream some of my favorite songs and try to play along with them. And often though, I'll just sit there and make something up or just, just play chords and just have a conversation with the, the piano. Those That's are, wonderful. I those, love that analogy, having a conversation with your piano. Yeah. Those of your audience that are musicians know what I'm talking about. What, whatever instrument it is that you play, you and that instrument become kind of one when you're playing, you know, the music you create and then the music that you hear from that, you know, it, it's a very kind of a, a cycle that really in, builds upon itself. Mm-hmm. And so I've, that's my way of relaxing is to sit at the piano and just make something up or play something pretty or play along with somebody else. You know, there's all, all kinds of ways, but I, I try almost every day to sit down at the piano and play something and have, have some fun. I also love sitting there and playing with my wife, Linda. She likes to play the piano and we have a keyboard next to it and we, she and I will play together. So we're nice? making music together as well. Isn't that nice? That's a really wonderful way to um, even unify your family life, right? When you have, when you share a passion for something and you can both enjoy it, that's a real, and I'm sure it, the creative process, does that help with the creative process at all, David? Yeah, I think so. It, uh, you know, once music is kind of a, a self-encouraging kind of thing, it, it, once you start, you never know what something is, something that's going to, you're going to hear that's going to trigger something else that's even more creative. So uh, songwriters in general, I think will tell you that the creative process is quite, it's not magical. It's just, uh, it's just very uh, uh, mysterious. It, Sometimes you cannot explain how things happen. Mm-hmm. Some things just kind of appear all of a sudden. You write it, jot it down. Oh, that's a great idea. And then if you're collaborating with somebody else, they take that and they go some other way. And then you, you 
it just builds and builds and it's a it's a wonderful creative process and so the nice thing is that when you're finished hopefully the product and the music that you've created is something that you can enjoy forever so and that was the case with mine i've written over 120 songs now i've got 15 albums that are heard around the world on every kind of streaming media that's available from Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, all those media. And uh, people, it's been played and heard millions of times. And that's very rewarding to hear from those people. And I've heard from over 50,000 people over the years about my wow. music. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's totally amazing. So it's, it's wonderfully yeah. rewarding. Yes, for sure. So tell me a little bit about what's in the future for David Combs, because, you know, uh, I think we, everybody seems to think that after we've achieved or attained a certain level of success, we kind of sit back on our laurels and maybe say, well, you know, I'm going to coast for a little while. I don't get that sense that you're going to be sitting on your laurels anytime soon. So tell us a little bit about what you feel is in store for you for the future. Well, for me, it is a, a, a long, constant journey of trying to spread the word about my music. As you know, it's a very crowded, busy, noisy world out there today. And so I'm doing my best to try to, like through this, this interview today and many others like it, to tell my stories and hopefully my book, which is available on Amazon uh, as, as a book that they can take home and read or get an audio, listen to it on audio book or uh, an ebook. Hope they'll read my stories. And my my mission now is to spread my music and inspiration as many in many venues and places as I possibly can. And uh, to because I know once people listen to the music, it touches their heart and their soul, and it, it's something really soothing and relaxing and beneficial to those people. So that's my mission: is to get it out there to as many people as I possibly can. Perhaps you can explain to our viewing and listening audience and give them a little bit of an insight into the genre of music, because I think that's the other thing, you know, we all know that there's various different categories of music. So where would you find yourself in terms of, uh, of a genre of the music that you play? Well, we used to, I'm dating myself again, but we used to have something called easy listening radio stations. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there may be one or two left in the country now. They're, they're almost a, an antique. But that was the genre that everybody came to know my kind of music as easy listening. Well, mm -hmm. today, I think that's it's uh, it's more uh, relaxing. Uh, sometimes you'll hear it as spa music or background music, uh, but it's basically instrumental, calming, soothing, relaxing music. And uh, it's it's quite a contrast to a lot of the other styles of music and there's nothing wrong with any of the styles of music it's just that they're you know you have country and rock and you have jazz and smooth jazz and mine is kind of a a, a smooth an equivalent to a smooth jazz channel where it's very uh very relaxing and um not so much frenetic it's very low low tempo not a whole lot of uh, loud it's very quiet music um, so it's, it's difficult. I've always had a difficult time describing the genre of my music because it is such a, it, they, for example, they used to call it elevator music. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, when, when you would step on an elevator years ago, you would hear music playing and it was from right. a company called Muzak. 
That's which, right. Which Muzak's did pick up my music. They they programmed my music in elevators, but in grocery stores and every place else that needed that kind of soothing, relaxing. Soothing, music. yeah. So that's not fantastic. The, the genre is is just soothing, relaxing music is best way I can describe describe it. it yeah now one of the things that we do in our guest blog is we ask folks to share three words of advice and your three words are dream action and persistence that's uh that pretty well sums it up you you do need to have a dream mm -hmm. a vision a uh like in my case it was once I had written Rachel's song I had to have a dream of what do I want to do with this song? And and my dream was that it would be heard by people all over the world. And and literally, I have I've, I've written down somewhere, that was my dream. I could envision that before it even happened. And sure enough, what I had dreamed and thought about this the music did actually happen. And so you need to have your dream. And and number two, don't everybody don't ever let anybody steal that dream. Right. You'll have some detractors. You'll have some Friend, quote friends and relatives that may talk try to talk you out of out of it yeah. of your dream. Don't let that happen. Yeah, that's your dream, and don't let anybody else steal it. And then the second word is action. And nothing happens in this world without action. You can sit in your car with the engine running, and you can turn that steering wheel in the parking lot any way you want to. You're not going anywhere. The only way you you change and move is if that car is moving forward. And it's the same way with life. Unless you're moving forward and taking action, nothing is going to happen. So you need to take positive action. And it's not just blind action either. You need to go into things with your eyes wide open and not be discouraged like we talked about. Don't let anybody uh, discourage you from uh, stopping or make you stop. Take action. If something doesn't work, don't worry about it. You just say, well, there's another way I know it won't work. I won't That's make right. that mistake again. So take action and uh, evaluate your actions. Don't just blindly take them and then just say, well, I hope that worked. Keep good records. I'm an analytical kind of person, a data kind of, I'm, I'm a math major, physics minor, so you can imagine I love numbers and data. Keep records of, of, of your results of your action. Make sure that if you're not getting the results that you want, then that action probably is not the one that you want to go with. So back up and do something else. In my case, I found an action that I took in selling my music through gift shops that worked. I built a spreadsheet model that showed it was very profitable with one gift shop. So go small scale. You take your action on a small scale before you go betting the farm on something. Right. So make sure that your business model works on a small scale. And then once you've got something that really works, then you go full bore ahead and try to really just replicate that as much as you can, which is exactly mm -hmm. what I did. I went from one gift shop to over a thousand gift shops in the United States playing and selling my music. And that story is in my book. You can read all about that. And the last word is persistence. And that we've kind of already talked about that is you just mm -hmm. persist. You do not stop and uh, if you find a, a barrier, you find a way to go over it, around, under it, around it, or through it. There is a way to, to move forward. So be persistent. And if somebody tells you no, don't take it as necessarily as a no. I always think of it as a not yet. So, mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so that's true. keep asking. Do, do your whatever asks that you need to. Ask for help. Ask for business. 
Ask for whatever you need to make yourself successful in whatever endeavor you're trying to do, but be persistent. So dream your dreams, take action, and be persistent, and you will succeed. Thank you for all of the nuggets of information that you've provided, because I think one of the really wonderful things that you shared with us is not only your experience as a, a, you know, starting out in your business, but the longevity of your success, which I think is really something that our viewing and listening audience will very much appreciate. So I'd like to thank you very much for spending some time with me today and sharing some nuggets of information with our viewing and listening audience. Thank you so much. Well, Trish, it's been my pleasure. I hope your audience in, enjoys every minute of this. And I'm sure that they will connect with you and uh, find your genre of music and uh, perhaps enjoy and give us some comments um, down the road as to how they appreciate it and enjoy your music. So thank you, yeah, David. And I'll just tell them to go to combsmusic.com and then they can find out all the information about me and then they can go to your shareyourstories.online and, and hear this interview and others as well. Thank you so much. To you, our viewing and listening audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us in this edition of Keeping It Real, where we introduce you to the person behind the logo. I'm Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series. And if you're interested in sharing your business story, visit our website at shareyourstories.online. Thanks again for joining us. And we look forward to meeting you next time when we share another great idea.